Hello, everybody. Uh, just wanted to give you a quick note before the show starts, uh, apologizing a little bit about the audio quality. It's not up to its current, uh, you know, usual standards, although it's never really the best, but we are working on it. We are, after all, on a shoestring budget, and uh, our equipment's not great, but I, I do want to apologize. This one is a solo show, and it's a little bit harder to carry. We recorded it in a little bit of a different way, and it didn't quite come off as, as well as I'd hoped, but... I cleaned it up as best I could, and, and hopefully it does the trick. So without further ado, here is episode 55 of the Mainland Podcast. Hello again, everyone. It's time for the Mainland Podcast. I am Michael Citro from themainland.com, managing editor and founder, and um, we are uh, welcoming you to episode number 55 of the mainland podcast and this is going to be a little bit different this week because well (laughs) as we approach independence day it seems that the staff has taken a holiday and i'm on my own this week so it's going to be a one-man show although i do have a guest coming up a little bit later to talk about orlando city and fc dallas on independence day uh coming to you from frisco texas and that will be at nine o'clock eastern time and uh looking forward to uh a little cross-conference MLS soccer on uh, the 4th of July. A lot of people are going to go out and look at fireworks, and I'm going to watch men kick a ball around on a field. So uh, before we get to that, a little bit of a recap to uh, to give you here, Orlando City, of course. Uh, two games this week uh, started off on Saturday night with Toronto FC, and um, Orlando City had not had a great record against Orlando. Uh, in fact, 0-3 last year, outscored 11-1. to And uh, so Toronto came into Camping World Stadium and left 3-2 losers uh, thanks to a 100th-minute uh, penalty kick goal by Kaká, the captain. Uh, he returned along with um, uh, Darwin Sarin back on the pitch, and uh, they both played uh, a long, long time in uh, what was their uh, their return to uh to the game so uh it was nice to see both back out there darwin Saren was very very good in the first half very informed he looked maybe like the best player on the pitch and in the second half uh he definitely tired definitely could tell he wasn't match fit to get some bad giveaways did not have his best half in the second half uh orlando city took an early lead through a kyle laren goal uh fantastic setup build up all around in the play uh, from from david mateos playing the ball forward from the back all the way up to the goal by Laren. Uh, Molino getting an assist, uh, Adrian Venter involved. I think Kaká was even involved in there. It was, it was a really beautiful goal uh, to open the scoring. And it looked like that was going to be all the scoring for a while. Uh, Orlando City did get some chances on Clint Irwin, uh, who made some really big saves. But uh, to be fair, Orlando was leaving the ball a little bit too close to the keeper on some of those chances. Uh, Laren also hit the post. Um, and then, uh, of course, as you know, you come out of the second half and boom, Toronto ties it up and uh, we're at 1-1. And just as it looked like another tie was going to happen, uh, Adrian Venter with a nice goal off some hard work from Kevin Alston, who didn't have his best game defensively, but he sure did contribute to that second Orlando City goal. Uh, he got forward and put some pressure on and uh, Molino ended up with the ball near the end line, uh, chipped it back across to Venter for the goal, made it 2-1, looked like everything was signed, sealed, and delivered. And then, of course, uh, 
disaster strikes in the 90th uh, with another goal from Toronto, Justin Morrow sneaking in uh, behind Alston and, as I mentioned, didn't have his best game. And, you know, then the controversial ending we've all come to know and love at Camping World Stadium. Uh, Breck Shea gets a nice cross into the box for Julio Batista, who uh, was held, and uh, Williams held him in the box, which I don't think would have been a penalty if he would have just let him go. But, you know, he kind of had him around the neck and kind of threw him to the turf afterwards. And that was a little excessive in the eyes of the referee who uh, pointed to the spot. And uh, Kaká uh, just drilled the spot kick off the underside of the bar. Gave me a heart attack because uh, I thought the thing was going to come back off the woodwork and back into the field of play. Uh, But it didn't. It went in, and uh, Orlando City uh, rescuing all three points for a change instead of just one. And um, I was actually in the seats for that one. Usually I've been watching from the press box and covering the game, but uh, Scott Crumbly, uh, one of our editors, was able to uh, take uh, you know my duties over and give me a night off and let me go relax and be a fan for a change. Uh, so I appreciate him and, and Brent Petkus with their coverage on uh, Saturday night. It was a big help for me. It was, uh, it was great. I got to spend the evening with uh, my usual co-host, Andrew Harrison, and uh, his lovely wife, Lindsay, who is very, very pregnant and... Uh, <laughs> We, uh, you know, we sat in the supporters section and cheered and, and chanted and had a good time. And, uh, you know, two of the goals for Orlando City right in front of us. So it was nice to see that. And um, it was good to come away with the win. The uh, man of the match for me, uh, man, it's hard to really give one. I, I think it had to be Molino. Uh, Kaká had a good game as well, but I think Molino was probably the man of the match for me. Uh, set up two goals, was really... Um, involved in the game throughout he did get subbed out um and uh but I, I think that Molino for me was the man of the match and uh we'll talk a little bit more about Kevin Molino because he played a big role in Wednesday night's game against Fort Lauderdale in the U.S. Open Cup and uh that one I was back in the press box for that one and uh on a weeknight you don't want to watch 120 minutes on a weeknight when 90 will do but that's what we had on Wednesday we had uh uh, 1-1 game, uh, Fort Lauderdale scored early. Uh, they did have some nice pressure early, and they were able to, to get a, an early goal. Um, but uh, Orlando City basically dominated the entire rest of the game. Kevin Molino went through about four or five Fort Lauderdale strikers players about just a couple of minutes after Fort Lauderdale opened the scoring and tied it at one. And from that point on, it was all Orlando. They just could not find the net. Um and as much as they held possession and got a couple of good chances in the first half, the second half was all played in the Orlando City attacking third. It was really uh, a tremendously dominating performance, uh, I thought, from Orlando City, but they just could not find the net. They hit the crossbar, Haji Berry hitting the crossbar, missing just inches wide a number of times. Uh, Restrepo, the goalkeeper for, for Fort Lauderdale, had a really, really great game. He was definitely the overall man of the match. He saved Fort Lauderdale's bacon time and time again. Uh, He had eight saves on the night, and I think five of them were just really great saves. And beyond that, just very aggressive in the box. Uh, Any ball that came in, he was on top of it. Uh, It always seemed like he was going to get caught out on a second ball, but he never somehow did. Uh, Even if Orlando got to the ball first, somebody managed to block the shot before it could get on the net. Um, but there were a number of, of crosses, uh, corner kicks and, and set pieces that were just labeled for an Orlando City head. And it, just before the ball arrived, 
onto the player's head, Restrepo's hand would just pop in between and, and knock it away. He was really on his game, anticipated the game very well, and I can't say enough good things about him. The reason I say all this is because there's a lot of people mad online about this U.S. Open Cup game, and there are a lot of factors involved in it. First of all, game is not streamed on YouTube. The only game in the round of 16 not streamed. Um, business decision, according to uh, people we talked to with the club, and it backfired. Only 3,000 and 100 and change showed up for the game. Uh, by far the lowest crowd uh, in MLS, you know, in the, in the, since, since Orlando City has joined MLS, obviously. And the short, the, the least attended game since 2011, the club's first year uh, there at uh, Camping World Stadium. Um, not only did that breed a little bit of bad blood, but I just think people have, and you know, they, they, the, the finality of a knockout game and, and a tournament like this, it really kind of gets your, your emotions higher than they ordinarily are. Um, I think the, the fact that it's an in-state team probably helped fuel that fire a little bit. And the fact that they're NASL and not an MLS club, uh, people think that that's sort of their birthright to to beat a team like that, that it's, you know that they're somehow beneath them. Just a few years ago, Orlando City was that team in the USL that was beating MLS teams. So, it shouldn't come as a surprise to anybody. This is not something that never happens. This is not unheard of for, for sure. And, and the fact of the matter is, I've seen some people beating up Adrian Heath about this for I don't know why, because everything that he did was fine. The, the team dominated possession, dominated chances. They outshot Fort Lauderdale 24-7. to uh, Fort Lauderdale only had one shot on goal. Not just on goal, just one shot attempt after halftime of regulation. So I counted it up as about 90 minutes without a shot. So if you're holding a team 90 minutes without a shot, that is domination in my book. Um, meanwhile, Orlando with 20 shots after halftime and um, you know a good number of them on target too. Like I said, uh, Restrepo called on to make eight saves uh, you know, on nine shots on goal. And uh, just a little bit unlucky on a few of those. Uh, you know, said Haji Berry hits the post. I mean, he the crossbar, rather, he, he could have had a hat trick. Haji um, didn't have a great game. I thought he was much better in the second half, but uh, he, he didn't have a great game. I mean, the finishing wasn't quite there. And, and for a guy who's been very in form uh, of late in USL, and, you know, obviously he wants to, you know, Adrian Heath wants to get a, a game out of him and, you know, see what he can do against a little bit better competition. And I thought that, you know, he got himself into dangerous spots. He took on a few guys uh, in the second half anyway. Uh, he certainly did have some trouble in the first half of knowing what to do about being able to beat defenders with his back to goal and, and make those turns. He wasn't able to do that. So, uh, But, uh, you know, the, as far as I'm concerned, uh, Adrian Heath put out a squad that was capable of winning. They showed that by the fact that they held the ball so much and got so many opportunities. They just couldn't find the net, and it wasn't, uh, you know, anything necessarily that anybody did wrong. It was great goalkeeping. It was, you know, a little bit unlucky. A ball would get deflected here or there. Uh, Carrasco at one point had a, a free kick that deflected off the wall, and usually those things will wrong foot the keeper, but it didn't quite bounce far enough away, and uh, Restrepo was able to, to capture it. I thought one player who played really well was uh, Tony Rocha, who uh, they signed on a short-term contract from the USL club to come up and, and play. I thought he had a really good game. Should have had a goal. Barry and he had a, uh, a two-on-one situation, and Barry decided to, to keep it and take the shot himself. And um, 
you know, when Restrepo came out and made the save, and it was an opportunity there where maybe he can square the ball over for Rocha and he gets an easy goal. So I thought Rocha played pretty good. Uh, I also think that the club punching bag, Antonio Nocherino, played well. Our own Sean Rollins fought me on this. He he didn't think much of his game, but I, I thought uh, that Nocherino had by far his best game since joining the club, which I know that's a low bar. But, you know, if you go back through our timeline and you look at the the especially the first half, I didn't think I think he did fade in the second half, but I think in the first half he was doing some great things. He had some outstanding crosses. One he put right on Barry's foot that should have been in the net, and Barry didn't get enough of it and uh, squibbed it wide. Um, he had, he was getting into the box. He had I know he's getting some blame for a, a cross that he didn't get ahead on, but he's a short guy and it, it just he just couldn't get up high enough. I don't think he's got a great vertical. He did jump. I can I can confirm that he jumped, but he doesn't. Doesn't have a great vertical. I think the 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 ball probably um, must his hair on the way by, but uh, he couldn't quite get on top of it. But I think overall he was dangerous. He had one uh, play where a, cross, a, a pass came in from I believe it was Shea, could have been Rocha, but I think it was Shea. Ball came in and Nocherino jumped over it, knowing that he had Barry behind him, but knowing also that Barry was on side. So it was a great play, but Barry couldn't turn, and he he ended up. Uh, one of the few times finding a teammate in the box, he popped it back out to Nocherino, who put a shot just about, I would say, six inches wide of the right post. Great curling ball that I think that Restrepo would not have gotten to had he been able to get that on target, get a little bit more bend on that. Came very close in the second half as well. He blistered a shot from the uh, the right top corner of the box uh, that was labeled for the top left corner of the goal, but Restrepo made a diving save on it and... Uh, Another diving save from Restrepo and Harrison Heath, who had a couple of really good chances. Uh, but the, in the end, the guys couldn't put the ball in the net. And in the 120th minute, Fort Lauderdale takes a quick free kick, tw- a good 20 yards forward from where the foul was uh, committed. And the referee all night had been quibbling over one or two yards from where the spot was for you to take the kick. There was one instance where uh, there was a foul around midfield where I think the Orlando City player might have been Carrasco, tried to put the ball down on the offensive half, like just almost touching the line, and he made him move it to the other side of the line, which was literally, you know, eight inches where he moved the ball. So for a guy who was a stickler all night on where to place the ball, uh, or if the ball was even moving just a smidge, he would make the goal kick, you know, goalie take the kick over again. You know, for him to not be a stickler in that situation was a little disappointing. But uh, also credit PC, the player's name is actually PC, uh, for just an unbelievable uh, rocket of a shot. And it curved right inside the post. Not much Earl Edwards Jr. could do about it. I don't think he picked it up right away because PC was able to use Seb Hines as a bit of a screen. Um, I don't really see what the team could have done much differently in that situation uh, other than you know, take the tactical foul and give him a free kick. Um, so 120th minute, uh, just about to go to penalties, and Fort Lauderdale steals it at the death of the game, and and uh, Orlando City is out of the uh, U.S. Open Cup for 2016. The good news is the fixtures won't be too numerous in July and August, and um, so that'll help a little bit with the wear and tear. Um the uh, getting back to Kevin Molino, there was a moment in the 67th minute where he kind of lost his mind. Uh, there was a foul uh, in midfield, and and 
the strikers were diving all night. They were wasting time almost from the drop, you know, from the from the opening kickoff, uh, wanting to get to those penalties. They had, had advanced twice on penalties earlier in the tournament, and it looked like they wanted to do it again. And they almost it almost happened, but um, you know there was a phantom foul. There was some pushing and shoving, and a guy grabbed Kevin Molino from behind and spun him around. As he spun him around, another guy came walking from behind Molino. I don't think there was anything intentional in it, but bumped him, and it was it was significant contact, but not like enough to hurt you. But he was, I think, already a, a little bit irate over the the tactics that the strikers were using, and also uh, the foul, and then being spun around and knocked into. And he'd had enough, and he he took a swing at somebody and uh, got red carded. Red card for each team at that point put both teams down to 10 men, and I think it's a shame because he was the best player on the pitch for either team um, at that point. He was the best player on the on the pitch for either team and uh, certainly probably man of the match for uh, for Orlando City up to that point. But I'm going to go ahead and give it to Tommy Redding for Wednesday night's game. I thought he played a good game. Um, unfortunately, out of the tournament, and uh, we'll... we'll Move forward and muddle through. You know, we'll we'll just go ahead and concentrate on getting some MLS wins. Hopefully, uh, the Pride, yeah, Orlando Pride. They were also the victims this week of a comeback. Um, took a one nothing lead on the Portland Thorns in the second half on a, just a rocket goal from Jasmine Spencer. But a phenomenal goal, a goal that deserved to be a game winner and could have been, uh, except the. The Thorns started playing direct over the top of the defense, which was pushed too far up, and there was too big of a gap. Uh, the foot speed of the central defenders was not good enough, and the Thorns exploited that and scored two goals on the counter by long direct balls and one two to one. So it uh, was the first pride loss at home, uh, ruined their perfect record <laughs> since joining NWSL, and it's too bad because. Uh, you know, it was, I think, a really good game for everybody uh, on the Pride team. Uh, I thought Kalen Kyle had an especially good game in the central midfield, breaking up plays all over. I thought Spencer played well. Um, you know, Morgan still is having some issues with finishing. Um, but, uh, you know, hopefully she'll, she'll find her groove here during the Rio Olympics and uh, come back to us in, in excellent form. Um Ashlyn Harris was uh, called on a few times, made some good saves, but uh, you know, she couldn't really do a whole lot about either of the, the goals. I think that maybe there was a chance that she could have come out and challenged maybe on the first one, but I don't think she could have done much about the second one. And tip your cap, the Thorns are the deepest by far team in the league, and they are the class of the league for a reason, and they are they're very, very good. Still haven't lost yet this year. Uh, I don't have a player of the match for you. I do think that... Um, uh, Steph Catley played pretty well. Um, I think that I think Edmonds had a little bit of a tougher game than she's been, you know, having. Uh, I did like Spencer; she played well. Um, but yeah, I really nobody really stood out for me. I think in the Pride game, I think it was just a solid team effort. Um, and then the cool thing about over our uh, well, not over in Melbourne this week, but Orlando City B uh, getting a win on the road at FC Montreal on Sunday afternoon. Uh, going up there, and, and uh, Barry got a goal, and uh, so did uh, Mendoza and scored the third one. But, uh, yeah, that was a wide-open game, both teams having a lot of really good scoring chances. 
Mark Ridgers had a big game. Um, I thought Devron Garcia played pretty well and uh, just a good game for OCB. And they are actually playing some pretty good soccer, which is, you know, if you think back to the first month of the season, they were not very good. But they, I think they've come together. They're starting to gel. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what they do this weekend after some of their players have been logging a lot of miles and a lot of minutes in a, in very hot situations. Obviously, a daytime game on Sunday, and then uh, Barry and Rocha and Heath all playing, uh, you know, big minutes on, on Wednesday night in the, the hot, humid Central Florida atmosphere. Um, anyway, I think that's about all that we've got to talk about. We do we do know that we're going to be missing the uh, Olympic players here from the Pride, but surprisingly, Kaylin Kyle, who was named as a substitute or an alternate for the Canadian team, uh, has asked not to go unless she's needed. She doesn't want to go to Rio unless you know some there's some injuries and she's she's uh, pressed into service. And her request has been granted by the Canadian uh, Federation, and she's uh, back in Orlando and she'll be playing for the Pride. And if she plays like she did against Portland, well, that's a good thing for the Pride because she really was. Uh, rock solid, I think, in that game. She she rarely put a foot wrong. Um, it was good to see because she's not she's had a little bit of a trouble, I think, adjusting to this team, and she's had some tough games earlier in the season. But I thought she really played well. Uh, I, I'm I would uh, I would say she was probably you know up there for player of the match. In fact, that's that's what I thought of her game uh, this weekend against Portland. Anyway, we're going to talk a little bit about FC Dallas. We're going to talk about Orlando City at FC Dallas, and uh, we're going to bring in our guest right now. Yes, I won't be the only voice you hear this week. Uh, we have our guest coming up right after this. All right, joining us this week on the Mainland Podcast, very happy to have with us Ben Lyon from Big D Soccer. Ben, how's it going tonight? Terrific. Awesome. Uh, thanks so much for, for being with us. We're, uh, we're happy to have you on uh, ahead of the big game on Monday night, Independence Day, Orlando City at FC Dallas. Yes, indeed. It's it's a tradition like several others. <laughs> I think yeah. I think Colorado and L.A. always get a game on the 4th of July, too. And it's kind of like the Dallas Cowboys and the Detroit Lions um, uh, with the Super Bowl. Or the Thanksgiving game? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. Not, like, not the Super Bowl at all. Other Detroit fans would love to be make that a tradition, but uh, I don't think that's happening anytime soon. Anyway, um, this is uh, Orlando City's second season in MLS, second year that the team will be away from home for a, uh, a game out west for Independence Day. They were at uh, Real Salt Lake last year, and this year they get to go visit Toyota Stadium, one of the many stadiums named after Toyota. I might add around the country. Um, are you going to the game? Uh, no, actually, I uh, live in Los Angeles now, and uh, ah. I will be watching the fireworks in the port of Los Angeles Monday evening, probably from my well, living room. I guess the good thing for you is that your your team's games are on early for you. Yes, yes, indeed. <laughs> that that is that is a huge perk of living living on the uh, the West Coast. I remember going to a. Um, I remember going to Hawaii when I was in college, and there was um, a, a it was Monday night baseball was on, and it was the middle of the afternoon, and I was like, "Whoa, this is weird." <laughs> um, but you know, I guess you get used to it after a while. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt, it's great. Actually, um, I really like it. 
because there's never a game too late and frequently um i'll I'll have a whole evening free where i can do something else nice um so fc dallas came into orlando last year uh, one two to nil as i recall um and it probably wasn't even that close of a game um what are you expecting for from Monday night's game? Have you have you been paying attention to the Eastern uh, teams at all? Oh yeah, yeah, I've got a, got a broad knowledge of the league right now. Um, I, I think Orlando has looked good at times this year. Um, I, I know that they have uh, not had the greatest home form um, to back up. Uh, well, home results, I should say, to back up their form. It seems like they're a little bit unlucky in their results. Um, first game of the season aside. Um, and I recall last year, uh, you guys were missing some players, namely Kaka was, was out. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm, I'm definitely not expecting a walkover. I mean, it, it will be tough on both teams cause they both played 120 minutes midweek. Um, yeah. and, and Dallas pretty much rolled out, uh, the better part of their, their regulars for that. So, that and the fact that it will be different compared to most Fourth of the Julys, where the team coming in is maybe not uh, accustomed to the hot weather and kind of melts after 30 minutes. Um, I, I would imagine uh, the Lions will probably uh, be a little bit, a uh, little bit better prepped for the heat. Um, I'm, I'm looking for an exciting game. So Dallas has a really, really good home record this year, one of the better uh, home records in MLS. What is it about Toyota Stadium that, I mean, obviously, besides the, just the hard thing about playing on the road in this league, um, what is it about Toyota Stadium that's so difficult for opponents? Uh, you know, it's kind of hard to, hard to put a finger on it. I think a lot of it is just the players themselves play better at home. They feel more comfortable there. Um, it's not what I would consider one of the more intimidating environments in Mm -hmm. in mls um you know the the crowd is is like the fans that are there are very very loud and 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 supportive but they're not uh they're not intimidating uh you know the seats are close to the field but it's still not what i would call you know daunting necessarily for a visiting team Mm -hmm. uh Except for you know, you get to May through September, the weather is really hot, and you know if you're practicing in L.A., in San Jose, in Canada, in the Northeast, and you come to Texas in the middle of the summer, well, it doesn't matter if it's eight o'clock; it's still you know ninety degrees and kind of mm-hmm. sticky, and and it yeah it. The Dallas players are acclimated to that, and they can play at a higher tempo for longer in those conditions than most of their 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 guests during the summer. Let me ask you a little bit about tactics now, Oscar Pereja. Does he does he like to press high, or does he is he willing to let the opponent have possession and and sort of hit on the counterattack with that speed that, that Dallas has, or you know what does he how does he kind of like to attack? You know, he changes it up in game and. One of the good additions this year has been uh, Maxi Arudi. Um, he, I mean, he hasn't necessarily lit it up with goals galore this year. But one thing that he does do very well is provide pressure from the forward spot. Um, 
he is a constant nuisance to the back lines of opposing teams and has caused several turnovers that have led to goals for him or uh, his teammates this year. Um, yeah, he's uh, he's been a good good addition. Uh, Clavijo is looking at adding another striker um, in the transfer window coming up, but, uh, you know, as long as uh, Rudy brings that pressure um, at at select times during the game, um, he he's good as a striker who doesn't score all that much. Um, but yeah, depending on game states, they'll 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 pull back and and and, and look for the counter too because their their wingers are, are both really really fast. And, and, and good when they're isolated. Uh, Fabian Castillo, of course, is very well known. Michael Barrios is actually the leading scorer on the team since this time last year. So mm-hmm. um, he's pro- he's very under the radar, um, but does bring you know that same kind of ability to score off of the counter and uh, you know take a take a one goal lead and turn it into a two goal lead pretty quick. A lot of Argentines on the FC Dallas uh, roster. Um, you guys sort of have a pipeline to Argentina there? Well, it's not just Argentina. It's it's Colombia. Um, both Barrios and Castillo are from Colombia. Um, true, four Colombians as well. And then uh, Grueso, who played for Ecuador uh, during the Copa America um, and was a Bundesliga player this, this time last year. Um, he's from Ecuador. Obviously, um, it's it's more just a generalized pipeline to South South America. Um, we 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 got maybe like a, a tinge excited whenever uh, uh, Nando started tweeting or retweeting um, Forlan last week, <laughs> <laughs> and 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 Clavijo is, is from Uruguay originally as well. So that's probably between him and uh, Pereja who's from Colombia they've got a strong strong network in South America now both uh, Orlando City and FC Dallas have a Canadian star on their roster you guys obviously have Tesho who's who's really uh, coming into his own and uh, of course Kyle Aaron for, uh, for Orlando City yeah yeah and and that, we we talked about the South American p- pipeline but Dallas has had some pretty good luck with their draft picks as of late. Um, you know, he, he was a, kind of an unknown that we picked in the first round, and he's been a, a strong contributor in all all three of his seasons here. Um, you know, well-earned call-up to the Canadian national team. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, provides some flexibility. You know, he fills in on either wing. Sometimes he plays up top. Um off the bench, sometimes a starter. He's a he's he he is a a good attacking complement to what Dallas has in their best eleven. So tell me a little bit about you know I think everybody knows uh, you know everybody here is pretty familiar with guys like Rosales and uh, you know who came over from uh, from Vancouver the Blas Perez trade. By the way, Blas played here in the Copa America and was phenomenal. He put on a show here in uh, Orlando at the at the Citrus Bowl or Camping World Stadium, as it's called now, and um, you know he was he was pretty amazing. A guy who had 100 caps plus for uh, for FC Dallas. Um, before I get into that question, I was going to ask you what what is it like? What is life after Blas Perez like for FC Dallas fans? Well, you know I touched on it 
early earlier with Rudy. Um, you know, he's he's been a, a good fill in um, in, in, that, in that target striker spot. Um, probably brings a little bit more energy to the position, and maybe maybe a little less of the guile and dark arts that Bloss <laughs> brings. But he, he's also not hasn't hasn't been as productive a scorer as Bloss ever was. Um, mm-hmm. And and so I mean it re- remains in, indeterminate as to you know how how much or how little we we miss Bloss at this point. He uh, in, has kind of had a, a history of wearing out his welcome places, and I don't know that things were going all that great toward the end of last year. Mm-hmm. And you know we we're able to flip him for Rosales, who's been you know a a good late game sub and 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 fill in for Diaz. So. Right now, it seems like like an okay trade, but mm-hmm. we also don't really have a whole lot of depth up top. So, yeah, hopefully, hopefully, Clavijo finds a guy that can uh, adapt to the league quickly. I was going to ask you about that, about Diaz and, and Rosales, and whether they're playing together at all, or, or, or if that's just a straight one for one. Uh, you know, I think they've they've played at the same time in a couple of games this year. Uh, Rosales is comfortable on the wing as well as uh, kind of playing that playmaking position in central midfield. Um, but I actually, and I haven't seen anywhere where it lists him as as injured. Rosales hasn't made the roster in, in the last couple of weeks either. So I don't know what's going on with him at the moment. <laughs> <laughs> that's well, that's got to be worrying as a as a fan to, to not know what's up with that. But um, some teams are a little bit tight lipped about things like that. So yeah. Um, so again, back to the question I was going to ask you, you know, I, you know, people know about Rosales, they know about Fabian Castillo, uh, Tesho. um, who are some of the Dallas players that maybe fly under the radar nationally that, that maybe Orlando fans should be on the lookout for when watching the game on Monday night? Well, I, I believe Ryan Hollingshead will be back in the team on Monday night and, uh, Prejas <laughs> over the course of the last couple of years is, is done a phenomenal job of converting uh wing midfielders into uh outside backs and 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 he's he's one of them um he uh he was dra- he was actually drafted as a second rounder back when Shellis was still the coach and the team did that with the understanding that he was going to take the first year off to help his brother build a church out in the Sacramento area and uh you know after after that year he got introduced into the team, played a little midfield, and then he got moved to outside back and played great there. Like we kind of talk talk about him as like a under the radar national team candidate, um, because I mean he he does does it really well and he can play either mm-hmm. side of the field too. So um, that's probably that's probably one that that would would go under the radar that maybe. Uh, Orlando City City fans aren't aren't really familiar with. Although, I got I want to say that like he either got a goal or an assist in the game last year. So maybe uh, maybe I'm underselling Ryan a little bit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you know, team gave up a lot of goals last year, so they kind of blur together. <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially during about that time of the year, that was a that was a little rough patch for Orlando City fans. They went on a long uh, winless streak in that uh, in that area, and that was not um, it was not a whole lot of fun. There were 
there were suspensions and international call-ups and a lot of injuries last year around that section of the season. So uh, we're trying to block that all out and just look forward to this year because things are a little bit better this year. It's true that the team is drawing way too many games and not getting three points and just having to settle for one. But, um, you know, in a lot of those games, I think would have been losses last year. So, um, you know, I think there's some improvement there. Certainly they've lost some points when when they've been in position to get wins instead of draws. But they've also gained some points in games that they were down and out of. Uh, down two goals against New York City FC on the road. Down two goals late against Rail Salt Lake in the opener and things like that. So, oh, that was exciting. Um, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was. I was there, and it was uh, a little bit heart-stopping. Um, so, you know, what uh, what I think we're going to look at now is the, the standings because um, FC Dallas right there in the Supporter Shield race, uh, although I guess Colorado's got a couple games in hand, Real Salt Lake a couple games in hand, but uh, what are the expectations from the fans this year from FC Dallas? Well, gosh, I I mean, I, I started out the year saying, yeah, you know, we can win the treble this year. Yeah, U.S. Open Cup, Supporter Shield, MLS <laughs> Cup, we can do it all. Um, I think the expectations are, are, are fairly high and reasonably so. I mean, mm-hmm. they were a very young team last year and did, did very well. Uh, they lost out on the supporter shield by goal differential, which sucks because New York got to play like a handful of games against, no offense, a couple of expansion teams. So, <laughs> um, so yeah, I mean, there's, there's no reason why they couldn't couldn't duplicate or improve upon that. But, you know, unfortunately, the, the West just got, you know, it got tougher this year. I mean, you look at Seattle, they got left in the dust. You know, they 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 sold off Martins and mm-hmm. haven't suitably replaced them. And they're going to be lucky to make the playoffs at this point. Yeah. You know? yeah. Dempsey's missed some games and that kind of thing. Uh, I will say, though, while we're, you know, before we get too far away from the subject, that one of those expansion teams went to Red Bull Arena and put up a five spot and tried to do you a solid. So. Thank you. You know. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Uh, and in the other game, uh, Sasha Kleschen uh, got Kyle Lahren thrown out on a complete phantom red card. Uh, so we couldn't really do anything about that one. But, um, uh, you know, that's that's Sasha Kleschen for you. Right. Um, so, all right, let's get into this game on Monday night. First of all, it's on a holiday. Is Are people going to go to this thing? Or the, is the club playing it up like fireworks and all that after the game and that kind of thing? They always have the game on 4th of July, and that's pretty much the one game that's guaranteed to sell out. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it, it's not like Orlando where, you know, we get 30,000 people coming out for, for damn near every game, which is very, like, we envy that. <laughs> we envy well, that so much. <laughs> it's it's not gonna last because our stadium's getting smaller next year, but um but it'll it'll be it'll be fun to be in our own place with a grass field. That would be nice. Oh yeah. Yeah. And that's one thing that I didn't mention whenever we were talking about uh the game on Monday. Those guys with you know, an extra thirty minutes on the turf field and then they gotta travel across country. That could mm-hmm. be like the one thing like I don't think the heat will bother them, but just like the wear and tear of a, a long week might might make it tough for some of the guys that play too. Although I guess I guess a lot of you 
if, if Laren and, and Kakao missed out on the game, at least they're they're going to be well-rested. So, Yeah, Laren played about, I want to say, about 45 minutes ended up because he came on late in regulation. There were 10 minutes of stoppage and then the 30-minute extra time. Uh, so he, he played about a half, I guess. Right. Um, yeah. Kakao got the night off, as you would normally expect. Um Molino played, but he got a red card, so I don't even know what's going on with him because he tried to throw a punch or, or a slap or whatever, you know, <laughs> whatever, a soccer punch, I guess, is what I would call it. But uh, we don't know really what's going to happen because of the, the Dempsey suspension last year carrying over. Um, so we're waiting to hear about that. But, um, it, yeah, it, the, the midfield should be okay. The starting defense, though, pretty much went the entire time. Um so they might be a little bit uh, worn out by the end of the game. Although I think probably David Mateos will play instead of Tommy Redding. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a long night for the defenders and uh, did manage to rest the starting uh, central midfielders and uh, most of the attacking players. So um, it'll probably be a mix. We'll probably maybe we'll score one we wouldn't have ordinarily and give one up we wouldn't ordinarily. Have. <laughs> um, Red, but Red, I want to Redding's with the U20s, right? Well, you know, we thought he was supposed to be with the U-20s. We were surprised when he made the lineup because they had the U-20s. I believe their first game was last night, and he was in the lineup. And uh, we were kind of surprised by that, and we asked the PR department, and they didn't seem to know anything about it. So, well, I mean, they don't have to release him for like a U-20 friendly tournament, so maybe, maybe they just decided, no, nah, you're sticking around. Kid. Yeah, maybe so. Maybe they were just being coy with us, but they're, you know, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> I know nothing. You know that kind of thing. But um, yeah, it was a, uh, it was a surprise to us, but it was it was nice to have him because uh, ever since Aurelia and Colin got traded off, um, you know, the the team's been basically operating with three center backs, and um, you know, Seb Hines had uh, a five, uh, five yellow cards, so he had a yellow card accumulation thing to sit out and. Uh, Mateos took a knock and, you know, there's been, it's been basically, uh, you know, hang on with both hands because you're basically only having two healthy bodies in the lineup at any given time. And um, although Connor Donovan's starting to come back from his ACL last year, he was a rookie last year and he's been playing for the uh, Orlando City B squad over in the USL. And uh, so he potentially could play if, if called upon, but I don't think anybody with the first team is, is ready to rely on him just yet. But, uh, uh, Monday night, what is your, uh, we always ask our guests this, what's your key matchup of the game? What's, what's going to decide the game and, and what's your predicted score line? Well, um, you got, you guys will have Hikita on Monday night, right? Yes. Well, for me, then it's going to be Higita versus Mauro Diaz. Um, there, there's some talk about Diaz not playing, um, or not starting on Monday night cause they played, mm-hmm. You know, 120 minutes uh, last night, but I'm I'm thinking with the extra day of rest and the fact that they don't travel, he'll probably be good to go. And and, mm-hmm. and there's there's your guy right there. Um, so I don't think that the strategy for defending and uh, kind of uh, putting the shackles on Diaz has changed much from last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I I think you. you kind of try and crowd him and deny the ball and strategically foul him, um, you know, a lot. And, 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 and maybe try and kind of, kind of wear him out that way. 
and that that seems like right right in Higita's wheelhouse. So, <laughs> you know, um, that's 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 to me like the the, the key matchup right there. Uh, if 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 Mauro finds those pockets uh, of space and is able to turn and face towards goal then he's going to figure something out at some point during the game. And Castillo's mm-hmm. starting to shoot better. Barrios is, is back to full speed. Um, Rudy got a goal in the US, U.S. Open Cup last night, so maybe he's starting to find his touch again. Um, yeah, it will be all about limiting the number of times that Diaz can 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 make those incisive passes or, you know, the occasional bicycle kick assist like he had to Castillo last weekend. Did you see that? I did not catch that. No, I haven't gotten a chance to, to watch film yet. It's the most ridiculous thing ever. I mean, you know, bounces it off his chest. Perfect bike with the perfect weight to a streaking Castillo who who, <laughs> who, who puts it on goal. It was a good shot on goal, too. Um, I'm, I'm not sure if it won goal of the week or not, but it was up for it. Uh, so you're, uh, you know, Chris Nugita playing against a bunch of Colombians. Uh, I think we could guarantee a yellow card from Chris Nugita on Monday night. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, maybe, maybe. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the running joke amongst Orlando City fans is, up. Oh, there's his yellow for the week. You know, he, he gets one every week. Um, yeah, Gr- yeah we- Gresso's kind of like that, too. So, you know, <laughs> if you want to flip it the other way, Gresso will probably start... Um, uh, on Monday night, and it will probably be the other key matchup, Kaká versus Gresso. Mm-hmm. And, and yes, there'll probably be a yellow card on him. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, South Americans all over the field on Monday night. Uh, what's your predicted scoreline? How do you see this one finishing? Well, um, whenever I, I submitted our prediction for the weekly weekly predictions, um, like I kind of f- figure it's going to be a, a close game until. Um, later in the second half, and FC Dallas will pull away with two late goals to win 3-1. Ah, you're familiar with our defense. (laughs) (laughs) Not not totally. Uh, (laughs) I I, I like Tommy Redding a lot. Yeah. It's not a bad group. It just seems to be that they're always, always punished for the one lapse or two lapses they have in a game. It's always in the net. Nobody just you know, gets through because someone switched off and then, you know, whiffs on the shot or, or the cross doesn't find them and it's behind them or something like that. It's always perfect play, finished it, game over. That's That's been a, a theme this year. It's been, you know, you could, you could say, well, you know, they shouldn't switch off, which they shouldn't, and, you know, it shouldn't have these lapses. But I think every player in 90 minutes has a lapse at some point. Well, correct correct me if I'm wrong, but you you guys have rotated your back line a little bit. I know Ramos has been hurt. Mm -hmm. Uh, Yeah, a little bit. And, uh, you know, like the team outside of Ramos and and Breck Shea from last year, I mean, you, you may still find that there's some benefits to cohesion that come a little bit later in the year. Um, which would be great for you guys. Well, we certainly hope so. We could use it. Um, not entirely sure that something won't happen in the summer window to uh, to provide some additional coverage there. But, uh, yeah, Ramos has, uh, in fact, just came back from his hamstring injury, and in the 37th minute last night, he went down with the hamstring injury. Oh, 
So um, yeah, he had he he did one of those uh, deals where you uh, you pop the ball behind the defender and try to run around him on the other side, and uh, yeah, he went down in a heap and then immediately called for the bench. So um, you know it was tough to see because he had he had been out. I think he got originally out in the Montreal game in May, like I want to say around the 21st, I think it was. And he had just got back in the side and had been sitting on the bench because uh, Alston had been playing good and is you know, playing pretty well in his, his uh, place. And, didn't, you know, Heath's not going to take out a guy who's actually been doing well. Ramos had been kind of inconsistent anyway. But, you know, he came back last night. It was supposed to be his, his run out to get him back into form. And, you know, he's he's had a setback. So, uh, so I'm sure we'll probably see, you know, Alston and Shea and, uh, as, uh, as the fullbacks. Uh, and then uh, Hines and, and Mateos, uh, you know, unless Redding really didn't go, isn't going to join the U-20s. And if he's not, he may be in the lineup because, you know, those those 19-year-olds, they, they recover pretty quickly. Right. Yeah, it's a, <laughs> that's one of the strong features of having a young team. They, yeah. they do tend to bounce back a little bit more quickly. Well, Ben, uh, really appreciate you being on the podcast with us this week. Uh, why don't you tell people where they can find, uh, you know, information on Dallas uh, from you guys on the web and on Twitter and all that good stuff? Uh, well, BigDSoccer.com, of course, and the Big D Soccer on Twitter. I'm Bird Turgler on Twitter. Um, I write I write the fantasy article with Phil Letchford. We're, we're both top 50 players. Uh, overall, I'm number two currently overall. So, mm. yeah, we we pro- we produce the goods consistently. <laughs> so yeah, that's good. That's that's great to hear. And I also um, I also write national team stuff, and then occasionally I'll write something really really zany, suggest <laughs> suggesting the management um, try and boost the uh, you know host- hostility of the environment by having a gun show at the uh, stadium every weekend. <laughs> Uh yeah well that what could go wrong yeah what what could go wrong I know <laughs> <laughs> like I say it would be the it would it would be the most intimidating venue in all of Concacaf if they did that yeah you know the uh, Mexico's got nothing on it <laughs> <laughs> the Azteca that's nothing yeah <laughs> uh, Ben Lyon thanks so much uh, from Big D Soccer thanks so much for joining us on the podcast and uh, we will hopefully talk to you again soon all right yeah my pleasure Mike. Well, that'll just about do it for episode number 55 of the Mainland Podcast. Uh, big thanks to Ben Lyon from Big D Soccer for being with us. Uh, really appreciate him stopping by. We had some technical issues and still having some technical issues tonight. Really apologize again about the audio quality. Uh, not up to its normal standard, even though its uh, normal standard isn't the best. It's as, as best as I can do right now and what I've got to work with. Uh, but who knows? Uh, maybe... Maybe with a little bit of sponsorship, we'll get uh, we'll be able to get some equipment. Do it upright. Anyway, uh, before we get out of here, give you a little bit about my key matchup for FC Dallas and my score predictions. We do this every week, and of course, my prediction's never right. Uh, I will say that uh, the key matchup for me is the back line of Orlando City. How does it hold up against that Dallas attacking force? If it's Tesho Akindale. If it's uh, Fabian Castillo and his speed and, and shiftiness, if it's Diaz, if it's you know Rudy or Barrios or any of those guys, you know, 
how the back line of Orlando City communicates and and works as a unit. That's my key matchup. The uh, the back line will be tired uh, from having played midweek, although a little bit longer than you would normally see because it's a Monday game, not a Saturday. Um, so that's uh, at least a little bit of a, a comfort. It is going to be on the road though, so there's some travel involved. There's always, you know, that it's always makes you a little bit more tired. Uh, it's a it's a surface that they haven't played on yet. Uh, although by all accounts it's a nice surface, so hopefully that'll that'll play into their hands, especially Kakaz. And um, you know, it's that's that's just going to be how it goes. I think that if the if the defense can hold it together and hang together and work as a unit and and work in unison with goalkeeper Joe Bendick, then I think that Orlando City has a chance to come away with something from the game uh, on Monday night, July 4th. Uh, I will say that my score prediction, though, is going to be a 2-1 win for the home team. I think FC Dallas right now is one of the best teams in the league. Uh, They're very, very tough to beat at home, and uh, I just don't think that Orlando City quite has the firepower to get it done. But I really hope I'm wrong. I mean, I hope I'm wrong in a good way and not, like, (laughs) in a blowout way the other way. But... uh, uh, you know, FC Dallas came into Orlando last year against a, a shorthanded Orlando City team and um, some players missing and, and won two to nothing. Uh, but I think that maybe Orlando City's a little bit better team this year. So maybe two to one sounds about right, but maybe something crazy will happen and they'll get a red card or there'll be a penalty kick or something. So you never know how these things are going to go. But anyway, that's my key matchup, my score prediction. I think if Orlando City's going to get a goal, uh, I think maybe it comes from uh, maybe somebody like Julio Baptista off the bench or something. I think maybe he, he will get one. Or Kyle Aaron obviously, is always a candidate as well. Uh, I would like to see – would love to see Darwin Saren score a goal. It's been a while for Darwin, so uh, it would be nice to have him score. But uh, hey, I'll take it from anyone at this point. Let's, let's just not turn down a goal because goals are not easy to come by, as we found out Wednesday night through numerous, numerous chances. Anyway, that's going to do it for episode 55. Again, apologies for the for the uh, sound quality. We'll hopefully be back to normal quality uh, next week. Uh, don't, I want to thank again Ben Lyon from Big D Soccer. Check them out on Twitter and check them out on the web, BigDSoccer.com. Uh, for anything you want to know about Dallas, they'll have full coverage of the game, as will we at TheMainland.com. Please uh, check us out at SB Nation. Please uh, you know, like us uh, on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at the mainland and uh we will be back next week to break all of this down and uh we will uh have a short turnaround because monday it's it's fc dallas and friday the team will host the houston dynamo so uh busy busy time in uh, in the club's schedule so until next week i am michael citro from the mainland podcast signing off saying go city <laughs>